You hate health insurance. And let's be frank, it's a miracle you've even downloaded this podcast. But you'll be so glad you did. How in the Health Insurance is designed to make coverage and care open and transparent to take the fear out of keeping you and your family safe. We might even save you some money along the way. This podcast is hosted by Matt Allen of Iconic Insurance, and you can learn more at iconic-insurance.com. Thank you very much, Brittany. I am Matt Allen, the host of How in the Health Insurance, and I'm the founder of Iconic Insurance, and my co-host, Brittany Green, Tucker Mortgage, my better half. Thanks for being on. No problem. Brett Luce, down at the end, my director of business operations. Thanks for being on, buddy. Anytime. And we have a very special guest. All of our guests are special, but this guest in particular is my personal physician. Oh. This is Dr. Jacob DeWitt. Thanks for being on. Thank you, man. That was a lovely introduction. I got a little nervous when you skipped over me and introduced Brett first, <laughs> but I'm glad you did because now I know your full name and it's actually really sultry. Brett oh, Luce. That's wow. So how do I, how do, when I'm going to talk to you, do I say doctor or like please don't okay (laughs) i'm I'm allergic to that title what should i say when i'm going to ask you a question duke of placenta is fine (laughs) (laughs) no really jake jake is fine jake yeah Yeah. okay or jacob Uh, you know this whole state farm thing kind of ruined my name but uh yeah i don't like to talk about it (laughs) well thank you i burned all my khakis you're welcome thank you for having me and hi brett over there hey we're so far apart we are that's okay (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and so, yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, the reason that I wanted to have you on, uh, not only are you a great guy, but that's nice. on this podcast, we are talking about, you know, how in the health insurance. So we're trying to break down different strategies, different tips, ways to make the healthcare system still work. And we're trying to provide <laughs> solutions and information for the listener about just how how to use health insurance, how to use the healthcare system, how to uh, advantage yourself and position yourself to be in a good spot. And I thought there's no better way than to introduce them to what you chose to do when you practice medicine, which is utilizing direct primary care um, through your office. And this is something that I didn't even know existed up until a year ago. And it was the exact thing I was looking for. So I think to educate the listener. And I, I think a lot of people would really like to know about this is, could you just explain what is direct primary care? Yeah, it was going to sound really cheesy and tagliney, but it's uh, the way that healthcare should be. It's okay. kind of, uh, in essence, a rejection of the direction that big system primary care has been going for a long time. Uh, and it feels uh, very much like having your own personal physician. You know, And the reason that matters is that at the core of preventative health and continuity of care, is trust. You know, that's the foundational aspect that, you know, you come into my clinic and whenever you talk to me, you expect you're going to have my attention and you're going to expect that I don't have one eye on the clock the whole time. And direct primary care affords me the ability to treat people in that way. I was a terrible resident. Uh, and, and a big part of the reason I was so bad was that I spent way too much time with my patients. I mean, I got told that all the time. Can I have, ask a question? You may. I, what is a resident? That's uh, indentured service to a hospital system. (laughs) Um, That was a little tasteless. But, you know, it's the, basically you go through your undergrad, you know, and do all your college stuff to get into med school. And then you get through medical school. And then residency is basically where you specialize. And then if you want to subspecialize, you pursue fellowship after residency. So residents are technically doctors, but they're like baby doctors. 
And, um, and so everything they do goes through like an attending, you kind of belong to the system and you're the workhorse really of, of the modern Western healthcare system. How long have you been a mature doctor? Oh, I I wouldn't say I've reached that (laughs) yet. Uh, so I, um, stopped being a resident at St. Vincent, uh, last January, January, 2020, uh, right around the time my, my, right before my wife got COVID. And um, I've had my license since summer of last year. And so I would say summer of last year is when I kind of became a grown-up doctor. Okay. <laughs> and Sorry, uh, No, you're good. In my current practice, I've been in since last September. Okay. So. And uh, what, I don't know, what, what led you away from that model and into this direct primary care model? Yeah, so I uh, kind of hated it from the beginning. Um, I've... I'm very non-traditional in terms of my path to medicine. Um, I used to help run a, a federal contracting firm. I think I t- may have told you before, but um, actually back in 2010, uh, the company I helped start was named one of the uh, 10 fastest growing privately owned American companies by Inc. 500. And so I was not looking at healthcare at that time. I had no real interest in healthcare, um, you know, at least in terms of clinical medicine, but my dad got sick and he got sicker and sicker and sicker. And so that's when I kind of started to look at it a little more closely. So, but from the beginning, the reason I, I, you know, put that in context is because when I came in to study medicine, I came at it from a business mindset uh, as someone that had, you know, been a director of operations and hired up a sales force. And I kind of saw early on this is just a big machine. I mean, it's a big money-making machine, a lot of these big systems. Um, and that's not to say there's not a place for that, you know, particularly in certain specialty care, like pediatric oncology. If your kid's got cancer, you want to go to where the research is. You know, it's critically important. But this primary care stuff, you know, where it's very conversational, it's a lot of one-on-one, it's relationship building, as big systems has mo- have moved into that over the years, you know, the only reason they did that was because they saw the money in it. You know, that's why the large systems, which I won't name any in particular, but, you know, they're everywhere. uh, They started buying up all these small shops. And so when I was a medical student, when I was a resident learner, I kind of thought early on there's got to be a better way to practice. But I never really saw what that was because they don't tell you about models like this when you're a medical student and a resident because they're training their future employees. You know, I interviewed for residency at 13 places. And only one of those 13 places even had a business of medicine elective that you could take as a resident or business of rotation, you know, business of medicine rotation rather. And so, which I found very curious because you get all these doctors that come out, they have no idea what the next steps are. You know, a lot of doctors, their first job they ever had was a doctor. You know, they went straight track, straight ticket, high school, college, med school, residency into being an attending and they never held another position in their lives. And so, you know, we culturally have become conditioned to think, oh, you just, you, you got to sign. You know, when the recruiters start knocking, you got to pick a, a place that's, you know, firm and fixed and stable and you got to sign that contract, which comes with a guaranteed salary. It comes with a signing bonus. They make it very attractive. They make it hard to say no. And, but what a lot of people don't realize, and that for any of the young physicians listening to this, uh, I would definitely say, make sure you realize a lot of those big contracts have restrictive covenants at the back end of them. Uh, with proximity restrictions. And so let's say you sign with a big system and you hate it, you can leave, but you got to move 50 miles away to practice medicine. 
And so that ends up dissuading a lot of these doctors because when you hear about this model, you know, initially a lot of people think, well, how come not everybody does this? Well, a lot of them can't. They've laid down their roots. They've bought their forever home. They've got their kids in good schools or the schools they want them in. And at that point, they're like, okay, I just got to grin and bear it. So I always hoped there was something more like this. I always hated how little time I felt like I had clinically with people. Um, and so then when I kind of stumbled upon this model, I was, uh, well, first I thought it was a joke. That was a gimmick. Um, I didn't think it was, it was real cause it was kind of too good to be true. But then I started doing it and I could not imagine practicing any other way. Go ahead. I was just going to ask, so are you the only doctor in your building or what it, what's your no so like? um, i'm actually one of four mds and we have two nurse practitioners as well so westfield premier physicians which is where i work um right at kind of the border of carmel and westfield was really kind of like the first to adopt this model in the greater metropolitan area so now there are i think nine or ten uh, but they were the first to adopt the model or to convert from the model rather because they were previously owned by american health network and then when american health network was bought by optum my now partners at that time, this all predated me, but they kind of saw the writing on the wall and they were like, no, <laughs> we're not going to have someone come in and lock all the cabinets under the sinks and tell us what cleaning products we can use and how many patients we have to see a day and which EMR we have to use and all this kind of stuff. So um, they've been in this model for probably the past five years or so. And I've just been with them for the past year, but uh, they, are, they were the first and I believe they are the largest in the okay. area. And so when we're talking about this model, it's the direct primary care model. And Mm -hmm. so just for people, you know, the majority of the people that I tell about this, they still, they just have no idea what it is, who it's for, why it even exists. And you're touching on a lot of these things, but you know, if I'm a listener and you know, I, I know why I go to you, it's because I wanted someone who's going to take the time to understand what's important to me, what my health is like. You know, run my blood work, actually, you know, maybe know me by know me by name, can see me and, and know <laughs> right. who I am, yeah. that I'm not just a number in their system. I'm not just one of forty people they're gonna see that day. That's why I went to you. But who who are you for? So, you know, I, I think in general, um, one of the flaws in our healthcare system, the reason that we spend more than any other developed nation but are nowhere close to having the top healthcare outcomes when you look at other developed nations, is because we are designed from the ground up to be a reflexive system. Mm-hmm. If you have the rarest cancer in the world, if you need dialysis, I mean, this is the place to be. If, you know, but from a preventative health standpoint, we do a terrible, terrible job. Mm-hmm. And part of that's unfortunately because... The big systems, they profit very much off of sick people. You know, the frequent flyers in the ICU, they get COPD exacerbations all the time. There's much more money in treating those exacerbations than in preventatively counseling those people to never get COPD. Mm-hmm. Same thing with dialysis. It's billion, It's a multi-billion dollar industry every year for these big systems. But if you appropriately counsel patients, you know, watch their kidney numbers every year from the beginning help them manage their hypertension, help them manage their diabetes, they're much less likely to end up on dialysis. Mm -hmm. But there's not as much wealth in that, Mm -hmm. unfortunately. And so to your point about who are you going to trust yourself with, well, I feel like, you know, it's it's a little tongue-in-cheek, but the modern kind of initial healthcare encounter, you know, you might wait weeks or months to get in with a doctor just so you can have 10 or 15 minutes with them. And in that 10 or 15 minutes, you're expected to share your pedigree. Tell me all about your family history. What did all your family members die from? 
you know, what STDs have you had? How much do you smoke? Do you do a lot of drugs? Okay, uh, nice to meet you. Now it's time for your rectal exam. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just, it's very unnerving when you think about it. This is a complete stranger that you're supposed to trust your history, your future, and your body with. But if you don't have the requisite time to build that trust, that dissuades people from going in. A number of my patients, they've told me, you're the first doctor I've seen in 16 or 17 years because I'm afraid of health care. I don't like going in and seeing someone for the first time. They're going to do all this stuff. They're going to take my blood. They're going to run all these tests. Then I don't get a great explanation of what these numbers mean. They might push some meds on me, but I don't really know what the adverse, you know, potential adverse reactions are. And you and I have talked about this before. Like When I prescribe something... I want to be able to sit with my patient, answer all the questions they have right then, anticipate what questions they might have later, tell them what adverse reactions they anticipate, what they may experience, talk about potential interactions with their other meds, explain the mechanism of action pharmacologically. How does this drug work? Why, is, why are we using it? Pharmacologically. Oh, in terms of the, yeah, so the mm. druggy stuff. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the, the, the molecular makeup of the drug and what it does to your body. Um, he can I, also give you cliff notes if you. Yeah. That would be great. Yeah. I just heard a keyword and I was like, "Wait, what?" No, that's that's good. You should throw something at me every time I do that. Uh, it's more than three or four syllables. Just right. peg me in the head. <laughs> Pharmacologically. And so, so you know, when when I went to go see you, mm-hmm. um, you did exactly that. And I don't want people to think that you're not drawing blood and you're not looking at their right. charts and you're not doing those things because you are. Um, when I first got onboarded with you and, you know, I, I sought out this care because I wanted individual specialized care at an affordable cost with someone that I could trust. And that's what I found. And when I first saw you, I think, um, when I decided to sign up, I saw you the next day. Um, I think you got me in for blood work the next day. Mm -hmm. And I think it, um, the nurse took me back. I, I didn't even sit down to wait. She took me back. Yep. It took three minutes to get my blood. And I'm like, okay, what's the paperwork? What is she goes, no, you're done. Right. Get out of here. We're going to send to the lab. We'll have results tomorrow. And they did. Yep. And then I saw you the day after that. And you discussed the results with me. And it was just something that I didn't think healthcare could be. Right. And you broke down everything about my blood and all the different things to look at. Luckily, I've got pretty good blood. Uh, he does. He's, he's quote-unquote not a sweets person, whatever, yeah. whatever oh, that means. Uh-huh. It's not you're, real. you're lucky. Um, Wait, why am I'm I going, lucky? I'm going to live an annoyingly long time. <laughs> I was oh. going to say, does that make her lucky? <laughs> annoying. No, yeah. the lucky part, in addition to that, is that I get all of his sweets. That's well. That's that true. That's so why that whole dip, calzone yeah. is yours over there. Mm-hmm. You so, so this all sounds on. great. My question would be: Okay, I'm sitting at home. I'm listening. I think this this is awesome. How do I do it? How does this work? Do I need to call my insurance company? Do I need to talk to you? How does this all work? Yeah, I, I think that's a great question. And one of the reasons we exist, to Matt's point about how easily he was able to get in time and time again, we're trying to improve access to care, break down those barriers to get in. And so, you don't need insurance to access direct primary care. You can still use direct primary care if you have insurance. We don't dissuade people from necessarily carrying coverage, but you can get very robust care even as a self-pay patient. So my panel, I have Medicaid, Medicare, self-insured or self-pay, health share, you know, Christian health share plans, commercially insured. Basically, all you would have to do, like if you were going to sign up, you know, with me or one of my partners or any other direct primary care group, you just look for direct primary care local to you. And you give them a call and say, hey, I want to establish. And that sounds a little too good to be true. But the way that we protect our patient time 
is we have sort of a theoretical cap. And so most direct primary care providers, they may only manage a panel of 500 patients. And by doing that, you guarantee longer appointment times and easier access to get in. And so it's kind of like Netflix for your health. You know, you pay a monthly membership fee. Now, it's different from practice to practice, but the way our practice does it, uh, there are age brackets, so it depends on how old you are. But, like, let's say, you know, you're 19 years me. old. Use, oh, use me. You. I'm 35. It's yeah. $75 a month. Right. And that's for unlimited care. Mm-hmm. And so when you pay that, it's unlimited visits. It doesn't matter if you need to be seen 200 times that month or just once a year. And that includes, we choose to include your annual surveillance labs, which is a pretty robust panel. That's, that's covered by us. If you need any additional ancillary labs beyond that and you happen to carry insurance or have a health share, you know, we have a lab core station in our, in our clinic, so they could build your insurance. Same thing with vaccines, immunizations. We have VaxCare on site. So you can pay our cost, or if you have insurance, it could build insurance. Same thing with imaging. And so you basically, you get in, you establish, you kind of comb through histories, which we always block an hour for that. If, you know, like for Matt's established care appointment, no physical, you know, is, is happening that first time. We just take you into a room, we get vitals. It's very conversational. I get to know him. He gets to know me. We comb through medical, surgical, family, social history, habits, acute concerns, all that stuff. And then we build out a profile for him. And then we schedule those labs and we have you come in for your physical exam. And it's very, it's something we do very meticulously. You know, in modern healthcare, you have to do a lot of focused physicals, which we do that sometimes too. You know, if someone has a very specific complaint, but for the most part, I can't tell you how many times I've had someone say that is the most thorough physical exam I've ever had. <laughs> like, you know, no one has ever checked my kneecaps. You know, no one has ever checked that Speak many pulses on my body. Right. right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I don't know what you're into <laughs> offline, but, uh, you know, and so we try to do, we try to be very comprehensive in that way. And, you know, cause I, it's very disgusting. I think, um, the way that things are currently, you know, people, they, they faithfully pay their premium every single month. They try to meet their deductible. They have a copay on the way in or on the way out also that they can have to wait weeks or months to get in for a 10 minute appointment. And that, that to me, that's one of the big concerns in modern healthcare, especially with the big systems. You know, it was by design. They saw what a boon it was and it's a triple dip. You know, when you're talking about the, the big systems taking over a small clinic, the first dip is, okay, that patient comes through the door, we get to bill their insurance. The second dip is we're going to overburden that physician's schedule to the point where they're seeing 30 or 40 patients a day, which is unsustainable and not very, not very smart, in my opinion, because things fall through the cracks. But by overburdening that schedule and guaranteeing the physician only gets five or 10 minutes with their patient, that patient now has to make another follow-up appointment just to get that other concern addressed. But unlike direct primary care, where every time you come in the door, you're not paying any extra. With the big systems, you are. That's, Your insurance get billed every time. That's my favorite thing about it, is that yeah. you know it actually behooves you to have me as healthy as possible. Right. See me <laughs> right. as yeah. little as possible. <laughs> you can have more clients, you can have more membership fees, and you can make more money if you get me as healthy as possible. Whereas the inverse and the traditional medical system... Right. They're making money every time I go in. Right. And off all the referrals. That's the triple dip. The third dip is they have to refer within. So if you came to me and I saw something in your blood panel that indicated you need, you know, referral to a hematologist. If I were with one of the big systems or really any of the big systems, I'd have to refer you to a hematologist within that big system. 
Same thing for imaging. I couldn't send you to a place like Northwest Radiology or CDI to get a $500 MRI. You'd have to go spend thousands in a big system facility. So they're feeding themselves money off the referrals too. So this all sounds too good to be true, just like when you were coming out of residency. Um, what can't you do? What What else do we need? You know, if I if I get a diagnosis, if let's say I do need to see that hematologist, right. I have some sort of blood disease. What what can you do for me? Well, that, so, you know, you kind of mentioned how the way my model resonated with you. Well, mm-hmm. what you're doing really resonated with me mm-hmm. similarly, which is why I'm referring family to you. And thanks, <laughs> full disclosure. Uh, because this triad that you are sort of trying to help people marry together of health shares, DPC, and catastrophic, mm-hmm. you really have the most robust care you could possibly imagine. Uh, still more affordable than a lot of the marketplace plans out there where your doctors are dictated to you and you have to go within a certain system. Because to your point, let's say you get uh, a really concerning diagnosis that's going to require ongoing you know, oncology or what have you, or if you're in an accident or you need urgent surgery. Now, the, the quick tangent to that is there are surgeons who are also starting direct surgical care practices in the area uh, so that they can also circumvent insurance, which I think is very smart. Um, but... <clears throat> You know, if you have a catastrophic plan, which tend to be much cheaper plans than a lot of others, lower premiums, 12 to 24 month rolling plans, that's going to cover your urgent stuff, you know, trauma, surgery, things like that. If you then have a health share plan, which is not traditional insurance, it's a good way of getting things. It's a way of accessing cash pricing, you know, the 40 to 50% discounts that hospitals will offer. If you say I'm self pay, I want the discount. And then the health share just reimburses what you pay. up to 100% of that with lower premiums. And then you have direct primary care for all of your preventative counseling, uh, your surveillance labs, any acute concerns that come in that don't require a specialist. You've got every base covered. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the other advantage to that is that in this model, I'm getting much more time with my patients. We never have an appointment on my schedule for less than 30 minutes. Never. In my annuals, I block an hour and a half Mm -hmm. so that we can have time to meticulously comb through meds labs do a full physical address all your concerns and not only that um i think the accessibility was really eye-opening to me um i know Brittany. you know sometimes you i mean you have two little boys you know emmett Matt. sometimes they need care mm-hmm. you need to you want to go get something checked out and you you get so excited i see it in you you get so excited if you can see someone in like two days from now yeah, you, you're like oh my god I, they, they had an appointment here. And so you're moving things around with work and you're, and you're scheduling just to get there. When I had a, like a skin thing mm-hmm. and I wanted to see you, he was Dr. DeWitt. Jake was out sick. They said, well, he's out sick right now. Would you like to come in and see a nurse practitioner? And I said, well, you know, when could I do that? And I'm like, well, today you could just come by and see her. And I was like, oh, well, I guess it's not that urgent. I guess I would want to see Dr. Witt. And he's, he still did a phone appointment with me mm-hmm. later that afternoon while he was sick. So the accessibility of it, I think, is just, it, it's, it's, it's a game changer. And to your point about that, that phone appointment, uh, you know, right now, especially in the era of COVID, you know, all these telehealth appointments, big systems are only going to offer that as long as insurance is reimbursing for it. So when one day insurance says, okay, pandemic's over, we don't reimburse telehealth anymore, we're tired of paying out for that, those big system docs can't offer it anymore. I don't rely on insurance for reimbursement. I never have. I never will. And so because of that, I don't care what insurance reimburses for because if you need a virtual appointment, a webcam appointment, 
if you want to, you know, send a picture of a rash through the, you know, HIPAA portal that we've got, HIPAA compliant portal, and we talk about it over the phone, we can do that. And that's, that's one of the things that's just great. And, you know, a lot of people are probably thinking like, well, what am I going to get out of it? You know, we went through that whole panel. You had a 90 minute onboarding with me. You know, I feel like I'm pretty healthy, but you know, it's, um, it, it made me rethink and it made me not as hesitant to call someone when I'm not feeling right. Mm-hmm. You know, in the past, I've had insurance for a while. I've, I've been selling health insurance for six years. So you bet your ass I've had it for six years uh, <laughs> and even longer. But I there would still be things that would happen to me or I'd have a fever or I wouldn't feel right or I'd have the weird skin thing. And I'd just be like, eh, it'll, that's that's fine. It'll, it'll take care of itself. Or right. I'd get on WebMD. Yeah, you, know, you Google it. Yeah, or I'd like ask somebody and and now I almost had to like shake myself and be like, dude, you can just, you just call Jake. Yeah. You just ask him. You have a doctor and even you were out sick and I still had a, a route and then you still talked me through it. And then you, I didn't even have to go in and see you. You phoned in the prescription of the pharmacy. Mm-hmm. Like it, it just was all now I know using you. I have a resource. I have a way to go. To go back to the fact that when you first started going with him, you did have to do that initial appointment, which took a while just so that you could establish that relationship. Mm-hmm. Then you had to come back in for what the physical, mm-hmm. then you had to get the lab work. Then you had to go in to go over the results. Granted, this is all great because you are establishing the relationship, but does that seem overwhelming to a client who would have to take that amount of time to come in and you know, invest that much time. Granted, health is important and you should do that. But I just want to ask for those that are a little bit hesitant for the time that that was going to take. Is there anything else that could have been done potentially faster? Absolutely. Because you don't have to do it that way. So I have a lot of patients, they do it all in the same day. They'll come in, we'll do their established care, comb through their histories at the same time that we're going to do their physical. And if they came in a day or, or before, you know, a day or two in advance and already got labs, I already have results in hand. So we can even go through those too. Uh, or they can have their labs drawn while they're, while they're in our building, you know, because we have multiple people there that can do phlebotomy. And so I think it's a great question. And I have had people, some people say like, look, I don't need a meet the doctor appointment first. You know, I've already looked this person up. I know this is the direction I want to go. You know, it's hard for me to physically get up to that location. Can we just do everything in one day? Absolutely. And that's part of the beauty of the flexibility I have in my practice is that I, I build my schedule every day the way I want. And so that allows me to cater to those individual needs of those patients. You know, same thing if I've got someone coming in for a little procedure, you know, like I had a five centimeter lipoma I took out of a guy's arm not long ago. Um, you know, I blocked off as much time as I thought I would need for that. He came in the day before free of charge, you know, and we looked at it. After several days prior to that, we had already ordered an ultrasound to see exactly what it looked like under the skin, but we, we were able to accommodate that. So it's a great question. And so do you think that there's anything else that the listeners should really just keep in mind or to maybe look up themselves or to contact Matt about directly regarding the direct primary care? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think knowing what it is and knowing what it isn't are really important. So direct primary care kind of falls on a spectrum somewhat of, you know, the most uh, direct access you can imagine, which is more like concierge medicine. 
uh, concierge, and we do a little bit of concierge because we have a different tier of membership too, but concierge medicine typically is a smaller panel of patients. It's much more expensive, so it's typically more accessible only for people that have the financial means. I didn't really want to go exclusively that direction because I want to be able to treat anybody. Big system care is the polar opposite of concierge. You're lucky if you can ever talk to your doctor on the phone and it takes forever to get in with them for a very short appointment. Direct primary care uh, gravitates more toward concierge. It's more toward that end of the spectrum. Uh, and so we've got that, you know, sort of 500 patient cap, which means mo- most likely if you sign up for a direct primary care practice, you're going to be able to get in same day or next day very easily. If not, you'll at least be able to get a phone call that same day. And you mentioned that 500 cap. Are you still accepting new patients? I am, I am still accepting new patients. Wonderful. I am. I am. And where can people find you? And your information? Uh, Westfieldpremier.com is our website. I think 15229 Westfield Boulevard is our address, even though it's technically in Carmel. It's a weird thing. But um, yeah, I mean, at least for me, I plan on staying in this model. I tend to reject the more antiquated paternalistic model of medicine. I favor the shared decision-making model. Mm -hmm. And And this allows me to do that. How do you spell your last name? Uh, Capital D. (laughs) Really (laughs) tiny E. An obnoxiously large W, mm-hmm. ITT. Perfect. And, uh, you know, just, just so everyone knows, you know, I sell insurance. I, I sell cost sharing. I, I help people solve their health insurance issues. But this was sort of the missing piece to the equation. Um, you had kind of mentioned the try, you know, care thing that I'm trying to do, not try care, the veteran stuff. But um, between the cost sharing, the catastrophic and the DPC, I don't, I don't make any money off what you do. And I don't want to, I think everybody should go check it out though. Everybody should look into DPC. They do, you know, you do in interviews kind of to see if you guys mm-hmm. would click. Um, I remember when we did our interview, I was like, yep, this is the guy. Cause I've interviewed with other DPCs. Um, and so please just reach out to Dr. DeWitt and the other physicians at Westfield premier. Um, and then as always, you can reach out to me at iconic dash insurance.com. And you can reach me Instagram, we're at Iconic Insurance, mm-hmm. uh, yep. Facebook, all that good stuff. Uh, what else am I missing? Your email address. Oh, my email address. <laughs> it's Matt, M-A-T-T. <laughs> you can do uppercase or lowercase, doesn't matter, at Iconic-Insurance.com. And just in case you're confused, that dash is a hyphen. That dash <laughs> is a hyphen. It is not the word dash. That yes. is correct. You need her almost as much as you need me. <laughs> I like to clarify things because it can be confusing. <laughs> but I thank you guys. Brett this just called great. you expensive. Are you calling me expensive? He did. Oh, I can't tell if he meant it as a compliment. Yeah, she perked up. I yeah, did. She really did. Oh, thanks. I'm doing a hair flip and everything. Me, her bougie s'mores calzone over there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being on. Um, it was a pleasure. So glad to have you on. We'll have to have you back. We can talk yeah. some more, you know, stories and more. Smart. <laughs> we can talk some more. Uh, thanks a lot. <laughs> you're, you're, you're welcome. Bye. I'm going to shake your hand even though the listeners can't see it. Oh, we got it.